Good morning. Uh, Exodus 14 uh, recounts the final showdown between God and Pharaoh at the Red Sea. It's that unforgettable scene where the Red Sea splits and the Israelites walk through on dry ground. But once Pharaoh and his chariots attempt to cross, the waters come back and they come crashing over them. Now, even though this story in Exodus 14 is a story that's well known, uh, what happens next is not. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to spend the majority of our time on chapter 15. I want to look at what happens in the aftermath of this unforgettable scene at the Red Sea. Chapter 15.1 tells us that the first thing the people do after crossing the Red Sea, the first thing that they do after experiencing God's salvation is sing. The people sing. They respond in song. And so this morning, I want to simply ask the question, why did the Israelites sing? And for the purpose or for our purposes, perhaps ask, why do we sing? Why are the Israelites singing? Why do we sing? And I want to break this question down into three uh, responses. Uh, the Israelites, they are singing as a form of expression. The Israelites are also singing as a form or a method of recollection. And the Israelites are singing uh, in expectation. So we'll go through these three points this morning. Uh, first, expression. You know, singing is uh, the most natural response when something joyous happens, when something incredible happens in our life. The most natural response to that is to sing. For example, when someone has a birthday and we celebrate that birthday, we sing happy birthday. Uh, when our team scores a touchdown, we sing a celebration song. When someone gets married, we sing at their weddings. When someone graduates, we sing at their graduation. After victory at war, soldiers sing. When slaves are freed, they sing. And this joyous singing can be something that's planned or it can be something that's spontaneous, that happens right on the spot. But the reason why we sing when something amazing happens is because singing is the best expression of the joy that we feel. You know, while words, while straight prose, while, while words can describe what happened, words can't express what we feel. See, it's only when words are meshed with music does the full expression of our joy come out. See, it's because you know, there are things that we just can't express with simply words. That our best attempt at articulating the things that we feel, uh, the only way that we can express what we feel is to combine words with music and to sing. I want you to imagine, think about the Israelites here at this point. Uh, the highs and lows that they've just faced in the past few chapters. I mean, the Israelites, they were slaves for 400 years. That's how the story begins. 
So they have no national identity. They have no freedom. They are slaves. But suddenly, after a series of spectacular miracles, they are freed. So they go from slaves to people who are free. They leave Egypt. But shortly after leaving Egypt, Pharaoh, he hears this report that the people in the wilderness, they are just wandering. The people said, let us go so that we may worship God, so that we may serve God. But then he hears this report that the people are just wandering around in the desert. And he says, they're wasting their time. I need to go and bring them back. And so he goes after them with this army. I mean, it hasn't even been a month since they tasted freedom. But when they turn back, they see Pharaoh and his chariots chasing after them. Immediately, their jubilation turns to to dejection. And they ask this question. This is the question that they ask Moses. Is it not because, or is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Did you bring us out here because there were no graves in Egypt? That's what they say. They say, didn't we tell you in Egypt to leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians? Because it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. You know, the Egyptians, the the Israelites, just moments ago, they, they walked out of Egypt as kings. They were slaves and they walked out as kings. And now, in this moment, they turn around and they see that they are not only going to become slaves again, but they have determined their own fate. They are going to die. So they go from slaves to kings, and then now they they see themselves as dead. But then what happens as Moses stretches out his arms, the Red Sea splits before them, and they walk through on dry ground. And they turn around this time, and when they do, they see Pharaoh and his army in panic. And they see the waters swallowing up their enemies. I mean, consider just the emotional roller coaster that they have been on. Up and down, up and down, all coming to an end right here at this sea. And you can imagine the people, they are holding their breath. They are holding their breath, just watching the seas just in case Pharaoh pops out of the waters like Mike Myers and says, gotcha, you know. They are watching, they are standing before the seas just to make sure. And there is silence, pin drop silence for a few seconds. And the moment that they are sure that this battle is over, they burst out in song. They've been through the highs. They've been through the lows. They've tasted death. It was right before them, but now they are alive. And how do they respond? Do they write a newspaper article? Are they journaling? Are they Snapchatting? No, they are singing. They are singing because they have experienced salvation, and there is no other way to express what they are feeling. You know, the people could have complimented God. They could have written him a thank you card. Thank you, God, for this. But that wasn't enough. See, they couldn't end with words. They had to end with praise, with song. You know, this is what Moses and the people sing. The Lord is my strength 
and my song. And he has become my salvation. You know, we sing because that is the only way to express what we are feeling. You know, what I find interesting about singing is that, you know, songs aren't overly detailed. Songs are repetitive, but they're not that descriptive. Songs are poetic, but they're not that detailed. If I want a full account of something, I don't want a song, I want an essay. But you know, how often have you listened to a song, a short song, a simple song, a repetitive song? How often have you listened to a song and say, yes, that is what I'm feeling. That's exactly how I feel. The song doesn't describe in detail every aspect of your life, but when you hear that song, when you hear those words meshed with music, you say, yes, that is where I'm at. I mean, have you ever fallen in love before? If you fall in love, you don't know how to express it. But once in a while, you come across that song, and you say, yes, that is how I feel. And then you send that song to that person, right? I mean, back in my day, you know, whenever we would, you know, whenever we would fall in love and want to express ourselves, we would not give that person a book or a collection of books. We would make them a mixtape, a tape of all different songs that expresses exactly how we feel. And we would give this tape and say, this is what we feel. This is what I feel about you. You know, for those of you who are Christian, for those of you who, um, who have tasted the goodness of the Lord, as you think upon that moment when you were saved, that moment when you surrendered to him, what did you do? I can almost guarantee that you sang. You know, when I met Christ for the first time and I knew that my sins were forgiven, not by my own accord, but by grace through faith, I sang. And I don't even like to sing. I don't even like music, but I sang because it was the only way to express what I was going through. See, it's one thing to say, amazing grace. It's another thing to say, amazing grace. Because that, the first is descriptive. The second is expressive. It expresses what you are feeling, what you have experienced. And it's only through singing, it's only through singing that we can actually articulate what we have experienced in the gospel. Soprano Katie Katz said this, we all sing for the things that we don't have the words to say. How else can we talk about this salvation that we have experienced where we have gone from death to life? where we have gone from slaves to kings to princes. How else can we describe this? It's by combining words with music in song. You know, I have even heard of people coming to Christ through song. You know, I've, I've seen a number of non-believers struggling to express, to confess faith in Christ. They didn't know exactly how to say it or how to articulate it. They didn't know how to express what they were feeling. But then there was a song that had come upon them. 
And when they sang that song, that song of confession and belief, they said, this is what I'm feeling. This is exactly where I'm at. I've seen people come to faith through a song. And friends, if you have a hard time believing, sing a song. If you have a hard time, Christians, being captivated by the gospel once again, sing a song. Don't listen to a song. Sing it. Sing, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Sing. And so we find the Israelites here, they're singing because it is a way for them to express everything that they have gone through. They sing the song of joy. But the second reason why they sing is because of recollection. It's a method of remembering. You know, I find it interesting in the song that is before us in Exodus 15, that there are not only sentences and phrases that exalt God and his being, not only is the song about how great God is, but much of the song is actually a retelling of what happened. Right? This is what, he, this is what uh, part of the song is. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his riders he has thrown into the sea. Exodus 15, 4 and 5, Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk into the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. And also Exodus 15, 9 and 10, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. These are things that Pharaoh has said. My desire shall have its fill in them. I will draw my sword. But God, you blew your wind and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. You see, what's strange, at least for me, I think, about this song and most songs is that some of this stuff, I think, is unnecessary. Right? You don't have to tell God what he did. I mean, they're singing this song to God and they're telling him what God has done. Right? Don't you hate it when people tell you the things that you've done? Like, yeah, I know, because I did it. I know that. Right? And, and they're singing to other people who were there. The Israelites, they were witnesses of it too. Right? Yeah, you, I, I hate it as well. When I'm witnessing something and someone looks over to me and says, did you see that? Did you just see what happened? And they're telling me. And I'm thinking, yeah, I saw it too. I have eyes, okay? You don't have to tell me what I just saw. But in this song, in this song, they are singing exactly what had happened. They are singing what had happened to God. They are singing what God has done, and they are singing to each other what they all have witnessed. And I am convinced the reason why, why they are singing the details of this story was so that they would remember this moment, that this event would be etched into their minds and in their hearts forever. That is why they are singing the details. You know, it's hard to remember life's events. It's hard to remember the things that go on in our lives. But if you pair them with a song, if you pair events with a song, the memory of that moment is much less elusive. Further, if you describe the details of that moment in song form, it will never, never escape you. I mean, we've experienced this all throughout our lives, haven't we? In school, we're taught things through song, right? And that's how we learn, through song. You know, if I were to ask you, all of you, mostly adults here in this room, if I were to ask you, what letter 
in the alphabet follows the letter L. It would take you some time to give me that answer, even something as rudimentary as the alphabet. And the only way that you can recall it is by saying, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N. And then you can say, it's M. It's only through song that we can remember. See, even something as basic as the alphabet, without song, it is faint to us. You know, there's a professor of psychology at uh, Washington University, uh, Henry Rodinger, and he explains in the Washington Journal years ago uh, the reason why song helps us to memorize things. He says, he talks about how the brain, our brain, we can store millions of pieces of information every day. Our brain has a capacity to store millions and millions of pieces of information, but the problem is when we need to pull that data out. We can store it, but we can't find it. But what music does is, as music provides a rhyme and often alliteration, what music does is music provides us that key that unlocks that memory instantly. You know, something life-changing has happened to the Israelites. Something life-changing happened. And they weren't content on just celebrating it in the moment but they were intentional in committing it to memory through song. You know, about 40 years later, after the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, they're about to enter the promised land. And God, he wants to remind his people. He wants to remind his people about all of his promises and his blessings and his curses. And you know what he does? He says this, he turns to Moses and he says, I want my people to remember this. So. Teach them this song. Teach them a song so that they will remember. You know, one of the reasons why we sing is so that we can remember. Because not only do our hearts fail us, but our memory fails us so much. And I think in this way, God is so gracious, so patient, and so understanding. He knows that our memory fails us. And so to remind us, he gives us song. He gives us a song. Hey, friends, how many times have you heard your parents say, I'm not going to repeat myself again? How many times have you heard your parents say, I'm only going to tell you once? And parents, how often do you tell your kids, don't make me repeat myself? I'm only going to tell you once. That never works. And our Lord knows this as well. You know, one of the common commands in the Bible is to remember. Remember. Zakar, Zakar in the Hebrew. Remember, remember, remember. The Bible is filled with commands to remember, remember, and remember. But not only does the Bible tell us to remember, but the Bible repeats things over and over again. And not only does the Bible repeat things over and over again, but the Bible repeats things over and over again in song form. There are songs scattered throughout the Bible. In fact, the longest book of the Bible is actually a song book. And you know, even Jesus, the author of all of Scripture, the, the place where he quoted the most from was the Psalms. Our Lord sang the Psalms. He recited the Psalms. He committed it to memory. See, God, he gives us songs so that we would remember and see, that is precisely the reason why when we come to worship, when we come to church, we sing. 
We sing after the call to worship as a reminder that we are saved not by our efforts, but by the blood of Jesus. We sing as a reminder that we are sinners called and redeemed in and through his son. We sing as a reminder, as a way to remember. So we find here the Israelites are reciting. They are, they are reciting in song form the details of this story so that they would remember it, so that they can tell it to their next generation, so that they may know that they may remember it. And finally, expectation. Not only are they singing as a form of expression, not only as a method of recollection, but they sing because they are filled with expectation. I don't know if you've looked carefully at the song, if you go towards the end of it, not only do they sing about what God has done, but they talk about what that has done. Because God has done these things, all the nations, surrounding nations, they have heard and they are trembling. And this is how the song ends. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. This is how it begins, verse 13. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. And then after that, verse 17, it ends in this way. You have done these things and now you will bring them. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. Do you see what's going on here? They are singing not just because they have experienced something great in the past, but now as they are singing that, that goes and moves to expectation. They are singing now of the hope that they have. They are singing about what God is going to do in the future. It's not only past tense of what God has done, but there's a future tense, singing now of what God is going to do. Praise is not only retrospective, but praise is prospective. Singing ought to not just look back at what God has done, but singing is to propel us forward as we look forward to what God is going to do. Now, friends, we sing not just of the past, but we also sing in full expectation of the future, of what God has promised us. And that's what a great song is. Great songs doesn't just talk about the past, but great songs talk about the future. Great songs talk about how the past will instill confidence in the future. And so, friends... I know we're quite used to singing about our past, about how God has redeemed us. But sing also of your hopes. Sing also about your future. Sing also about the things which God has promised in full expectation. So we find here the people are singing as a form of expression, as a method of recollection, as a way to express expectation. And as we conclude this morning, the command, I think, for all of us, as we take this away, is simple. The command is to sing. To sing. Please sing. You know, there's this command in Colossians 3.16, as Paul is talking. He says, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. But how can the words of Christ dwell in us richly? And he goes on. You know how the words of Christ can dwell in you richly? 
by singing songs, hymns, and spiritual psalms. Sing. Sing that the words of Christ may dwell in you richly. Ephesians 5 talks about a spirit-filled person, a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. And do you know what a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is like? Paul says a person filled with the Holy Spirit is one who sings, one who sings. I shared this quote with you once, but Margaret Schlaper, once professor of voice at USC, says this, singing has the power to alter our moods and to conjure up memories and feelings. Singing also provides an emotional release, a way to express our thoughts and our feelings. We sing because something inside us needs to express something beyond words. Scripture commands us to sing, to sing. You know, um, if you ask people nowadays, I mean, singing, I think, has become more and more rare. We've become more uh, spectators of singing than actual participants of singing. I mean, the only time that people, I think, sing at a gathering or event uh, is, is at church or maybe even a concert. But singing has uh, become uh, rare. People don't sing. We've become great spectators of singing. And if you ask people, those who sing, why do you sing? Why do you sing? People respond in this way. They say, I sing because through singing I find myself. Uh, Through singing I want to discover who I am. Uh, Through singing I become a new me. I mean, you, you watch shows like The American Idol or The Voice, they are singing because they want to find who they are. They want to discover their career, discover what they were made for. I remember a few years ago that animation movie Sing about a bunch of animals trying to sing, and they are singing piglets, uh, uh, rhinos or horses or elephants. They're all singing. Why? Because they want to discover who they are. They want to leave their former life and begin a new life, and it's through singing through singing, they want to achieve that. You know, music and singing has sort of given to us this feeling that, that this power that it can change us. There's a, uh, a Chinese dance and theater company, Shen Yun, and uh, they're known globally, but they're actually here in Philadelphia soon. Uh, and their, their music, their show, is supposedly life-changing. It's supposed to be life-altering. It's supposed to change you. But you know, scripture commands us to sing, not so that we can be changed. But scripture commands us to sing because we have already been changed. Scripture tells us to sing, not so that we can find ourselves, but scripture tells us to sing because we have already been found. We sing not so that we can attain a new life, but we sing because we have already received a new life. We sing not to make a new name for ourselves, but we sing because we have received a new name already in Christ. We sing because we have been found by Jesus. We sing because we have been saved by the mighty hand of God. And the only way to express and articulate this gospel is through song. You know, let me just end with this. The Bible gives us a really good picture of what's going to happen at the end of uh, the age. The Bible gives us a picture of not only the end of the age, but what is going on in heaven. 
You know, Revelation, the last book in the Bible, is like a book that sort of pulls the curtain back a little bit so that you and I can take a peek behind the curtain to see what is actually going on in heaven. And you know what they're doing in heaven? Those who are redeemed, they're not sitting down listening to a lecture. They're not even listening to a sermon. But they are singing. They are singing night and day, night and day, night and day. And it seems to be the same song over and over and over again. It's in loop. They are singing it night and day, night and day. But you know what the Bible says about that song? They say it's a new song. It's the same song that's being sung, but the Bible says it's a new song. And they are singing. Those redeemed, they are singing. The angels are drowning out all the sounds and and they, and, and they are amplifying the heavenly anthem that Jesus has saved, that the Lamb of God has won. Friends, I encourage you to sing. Sing not because you have a perfect pitch or you can sing a perfect tune, but sing to the perfect one who has saved you. Amen. Join me in prayer this time.